Human beings are relational creatures. We exist not as isolated individuals, but as people connected to everything and everyone around us. What happens to someone we are connected to affects us. I believe that goodness in our world is a result of connection, of real and right relationship that helps us act not as individuals, but as a community. When we see ourselves as connected to others, we are more likely to do things that make their lives better. I believe that evil happens in our world when we break those connections or when we refuse to form them in the first place. When we separate ourselves from others, we are more likely to do things that affect them badly. Small bits of badness come from broken relationships between individuals. I say something on purpose that hurts your feelings. Siblings strike each other in anger when they're frustrated. People tell lies to one another because they think they won't be caught. Someone steals something from another because they have something they want or need. These things can be healed when the relationships are healed. Larger systems of immorality and wickedness come from severely harmed relationships between groups, sometimes magnified through time and history. We allow people in our very midst to go without shelter, food, and medicine in a nation of riches. Oppressions are handed down from generation to generation, racism, sexism, classism, and others. These things take serious amounts of work to overcome. Whole networks of relationships need to be rebuilt. And unthinkable acts of evil come from true brokenness. Murder, rape, war, terrorism. I cannot even imagine how someone can be so deeply disconnected from the feelings and experiences of another to even contemplate something like that. I certainly cannot fathom what goes into the hatred that makes someone do something like what happened on September 11th, 2001. I believe that such evil can only be faced and destroyed with unthinkable amounts of love. Love that we are not capable of by ourselves acting as individuals. Love that is so vast and so great that we need to enlist others in creating it. It falls to each of us to engage in the work of creating connections and love in our world as a response to the immense evil we witnessed 10 years ago. Each of us is asked to respond to the pain and suffering in the world by sharing some unique part of ourselves with others. Perhaps we see systems in a way that helps us dismantle injustice. Perhaps we grow vegetables that nourish others. Perhaps we express ourselves. Perhaps we help others express themselves. Perhaps we make ourselves vulnerable by sharing our own experiences of pain and loss. Perhaps we have or make the time and patience to listen. 
In the days following September 11, 2001, artists responded to the pain that they were seeing by creating beauty as a gift to, the, to a world where ugliness was running rampant. My friend Sarah Dan Jones wrote, When I Breathe In, from which comes the hymn we now know as Meditation on Breathing. Bruce Springsteen wrote, The Rising, but not until after he was called on to sing something he had already written for a telethon. He chose for that event his song, My City of Ruins, which he had originally written for his adopted hometown of Asbury Park, New Jersey, a city that faced depression and devastation, a city that was just beginning to revitalize itself. In that song, he describes the destruction and emptiness he saw, and he asks, tell me, how do I begin again? My city's in ruins. His answer, with these hands. With these hands we pray, with these hands we heal, with these hands we reach out to others, with these hands we comfort them in times of mourning, with these hands we build a new society. Come on, rise up, Bruce Springsteen sang that evening to a nation in mourning. Rise up from the devastation and use your own hands to rebuild our society, to rebuild our city, to make justice in our world. Among the signs of ruin in Springsteen's song was a church whose doors were open, but he sang the congregations gone. The picture we get of an empty church is a striking one to use to indicate that something's wrong, and I don't think it was an indication that Bruce Springsteen felt some great moral failure at work in our society. Rather, what he saw was a religious institution, and a religious institution, whether church, synagogue, mosque, or fellowship, is a place of connection, connection with other people, connection with something greater than ourselves, connection with the holy, however it is that you experience or name that which is holy. This religious community creates goodness whenever it comes together in community. We create goodness whenever we worship together, when we sing together, when we learn together, when we dance together, when we work for justice together, when we discuss and debate together, when we play together, when we sit in silence together, we create goodness. Whenever we come together as a community, we are building relationships, relationships that make possible compassion, relationships that make possible beauty, relationships that make possible love, more and more and more love that we push out further and further into our world until the amount of that love is so unthinkably great it can overcome any amount of evil. And lest you think that I'm being naive here, I got an email. I'm going off script because I got an email last night way after I had written this homily 
today, an email that I'm not even sure I'm allowed to share with other people because I got it as a member of the UUA Board of Trustees, our National Religious Bodies Board of Trustees. It was an email from our executive vice president who had forwarded it from the director of our campaign called Standing on the Side of Love. You probably noticed the Standing on the Side of Love banner out in front as you drove up our beautiful driveway this morning. <laughs> Standing on the Side of Love is a campaign that seeks to harness the power of love to overcome injustice and evil wherever it is found in our world. And a few weeks ago, there was a neo-Nazi rally in Illinois. And about 75 members of the National Socialist Movement, the American neo-Nazi party, had a, a very racist rally in that town um, against people of color, really, it was. And the response of um, the congregations in the Midwest was to stand on the side of love. And so Unitarian Universalist congregations called interfaith gatherings together. Multiracial, multi-faith coalitions of people came to stand on the side of love. And our Unitarian Universalist brothers and sisters led them in song, led them in prayer, wearing standing on the side of love shirts and holding up our bright orange banners like the one at the front of our driveway. And together, 2,000 people stood on the side of love and drowned out the voices of hate from the 70 or so neo-Nazis that had gathered there that morning. Well, one of those neo-Nazis, and that's really what they are, and they call themselves that with pride, I feel horrible saying that word, because it's a horrible word that harkens back to unspeakable evil in our past. But one of those men wrote an email to the director of our Standing on the Side of Love campaign. And he said, we showed up to do something that we thought was right. And people, wherever we show up, show up to counter-protest. And they're usually filled with hatred and venom. And he wrote in this email, I want one of those people who are spewing hatred and venom to cross over the line so that I can, I can beat him up. I think he wrote so that I can smash his face in. I want that, is what he wrote. But your people showed up. Your people showed up with your message of love. And when I saw your people there standing on the side of love, it made me remember that when I was a child, I belonged to the youth group in my church. And it makes me wonder how it was that I ended up where I am today. And this man sent off this email to our Standing on the Side of Love campaign. This man committed to a cause of hatred, of racism, of spreading hate in our world, was so moved by 2,000 people of faith standing on the side of love that a crack formed in that wall of hatred that he had built up around himself. And if we push that love further and further out, if we make that message of love stronger, the cracks will grow. And soon the people who hate will come to love as well. Our religious response to evil and ugliness in our world is community and compassion. It is coming together despite our differences to build the world that we want to see, to build it 
with these hands. And if we do that, if we do that, if we build a world of love with our very hands, we will see it rise up from the ruins around us. May it be so. Most of us, I'm sure, if we were alive 10 years ago today, remember where we were when we heard the news of what was happening in Lower Manhattan, in Virginia, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. I was about to start a day of work when I got a call from Eric, who was in the newsroom of the paper he worked for, saying that a plane had crashed into one of the Twin Towers. And I turned on the news just in time to watch the second plane hit. And it was then, like with others around the world, that I knew that something more than an accident was afoot. As a native New Yorker living at the time in Durham, North Carolina, I had many friends, friends from childhood and young adulthood, who I knew were at work in those towers that day. And so there were many people I knew who I wasn't sure if they were alive or or dead that morning. My boss, I knew, was scheduled to fly from Boston to Los Angeles that morning. In fact, she had changed her ticket at the last moment off of United Airlines Flight 175 and onto the flight the evening before. I didn't know that until days later. And so when I called my congregation, the congregation that was my spiritual home, to find out what was going on, they said, I don't know, what's going on? And I knew that a part of my relationship with that community was broken forever because it wasn't there in a moment when I needed a community to come together. That was not the case here. I wasn't here, though. So I've asked Patricia to share some reflections on her experience that day here in this community with you. Um, So especially if you're one of the kids here, I'd like you to think about how you feel when you're sick. And your nose is running, and you're coughing, and you feel really crummy. What makes you feel better? Somebody brings you tissues? They bring you some chicken soup? You need someone to do that. It makes you feel better. Or what happens when you're very sad about something? The kids said today things that made them sad when someone dies or they have to move. Or what if someone's mean to you? Someone hurts your feelings. They're really nasty to you. What you really need is someone to hold your hand and say, they were wrong, and I'm here with you, and we're going to get through this together. Sometimes you have to go to the doctor and you have to get a shot. or or face something scary. You want someone there with you. Well, 10 years ago, that's exactly how we all felt. Something horrible had happened, and we were all scared and worried and sick, and we needed something, someone, to hold our hands and say, we're okay. And that's what happened here. We had a brand new minister that day. It was almost his first day of work, Reverend Kent Mathias. And he knew that we needed each other. And so he called someone, and someone called someone, and someone called someone. 
And pretty soon we all know that this was the place to come. And so we did. And we sat in a big circle around this room. Not this way. We sat in a circle so that we could see each other. And we held hands. And we looked at each other. And what we said was, we're scared. We didn't know what was happening. We didn't know what was going to happen in the days to come. But we knew we had this place. And we knew we had these people. And we cried. And we held each other. And we knew that we would be safe in ourselves and with each other. We had a community. We had a place to come. And you know who knew that we were going to need that? The people who founded this congregation over 50 years ago. They knew that there would be good times, and they knew there would be hard times. And then most of the people who founded this congregation 50 years ago were not here that day. But because of them, we could be. And I think about what's going to happen 50 years from now. And we need this community to be here for those people who don't even know. I was most grateful that day. I was actually very sick that day, which is another reason why this day is tough for me. I was actually very sick that day. And, and it was wonderful to be here. And you will see people who are nodding their heads. Some of you were here that day. And remember that that's what we got from it, that we had each other. We still have each other. No matter what comes, and kids always remember this, that's what community does. If you're connected to a community, then you have people to hold you and tell you, you're okay, you're going to be okay, we'll go through this together. That's what community means to me, and that's what this community means to me and meant 10 years ago. Thank you. With the sorrow of these memories and the joy of community in our hearts, I invite you now to open your hearts and join me in the spirit of prayer connected to the ground of being as you know it.